This is the Agape Project from the Office of Campus Ministry at Bowerman University. Welcome to the Agape Project. Here, we take a moment to listen to stories told by members of the Bellarmine community to learn about their worldview, spiritual practices, and their calling and purpose as they are recognized in their lives. To learn more about the Agape Project, we invite you to listen to the introductory episode of our podcast. Agape is a Greek word for the highest form of love, one that embraces universal, selfless, and unconditional care. Some find agape love in God's love for humankind, others in the selfless love of total strangers. We invite you to listen for examples of agape love in action in this next story. Let's enter the conversation. Okay, so Leanne, tell me a little bit about your um, background spiritually um, or your worldview, and then tell me a little about um, how you got to Bellarmine in general um, as a college choice. Uh, yeah, so my name is Leanne McKernan. I am a sophomore attending Bellarmine University. I am studying exercise science with a minor in creative writing. Kind of to begin where I came from was I was adopted from China. So I flew, well, my dad flew all the way to the from the U.S. to China to come pick me up. I have two older siblings that are biologically related, but I knew... Um, my parents' story was that they wanted a third, they just, my mom did not want to go through the whole process. And they're both very religious, so they thought adoption would be a beautiful thing to do. My dad is more heavily Catholic, that's what he was raised as, whereas my mom was Presbyterian. So growing up, I always had that choice of either being Presbyterian or Catholic. And for me, Catholic was what I ended up doing. I went to a Catholic elementary school, then a middle school that was Catholic. So it just really clicked with me. So the way I got to Bellarmine, which a lot of people think is crazy <laughs> because <laughs> I knew I would go to Bellarmine since I was in eighth grade. Um, okay. Yeah, and I think my biggest influence was both my mom and my brother. So while I was in my education in middle school, my mom was going through nursing at Bellarmine University. She kind of went when she was in her 40s. So she went back to school. She was originally in accounting major and did that for a while and she just didn't really like it as much and she knew she wanted to help people so kind of from there my brother he only went to Bellarmine for two years so he was a transfer from center originally so he did his freshman and sophomore year then he just it didn't really click for him so that's when he ended up going to Bellarmine so that's when I started getting more involved because originally I wanted to do music therapy. Okay, and that's cool. Yeah, Bellarmine had a wonderful kind of music program, so I was already going to like <laughs> academic fairs and major yeah. fairs. So when like all these professors were asking or chairmen, they're like, oh, so like what grade are you in? And I'm like, I'm in eighth grade. Starting early. Yeah, right? I know. And they're like, wow, you uh, are you like, I mean, that's great. You know what you want to do. Uh, so that's just kind of how I ended up, just always seeing my brother, seeing his dorm. I loved the environment. Even when I was younger, like, there were students who would say hi to me, and I didn't even go here, so I knew this was my place. Wow. And yeah. so you said you mentioned you were born in China. Um, mm-hmm. 
moved to this when you were, you were really young, so you don't remember China very much at all? You, no, not at all. Okay. Yeah. So how is it like then growing up um, in the U.S., knowing that you are not a not born in the U.S., mm-hmm. but you live in the U.S.? So it, has that impacted your life in terms of making friends, maybe your school life, um, your family, anything? Yeah, I, I think that was a huge impact to who I am today. And growing up in the U.S., I won't lie, it was, it was really difficult. Mm. Um, I love my parents. I love my family. I love my friends. But, like, looking different is hard. Like, both my parents are very pale, very white. As a child, I was very not pale or white. I had the Asian eyes. Um, I had the darker skin tone and everything. So going to an all-Catholic school, it was heavily white populated. Mm. So to them, it was like, oh, what is this child doing here that's not like us? Mm. So I had to deal with a lot of bullying in my life. Um, I had to deal with a lot of racism at an early age. I think one of the reasons I like I talked to my parents about I was held back in kindergarten and a lot of that yeah I was young I was four years old and I had speech impediments but also socially I did not do good with my classmates I was picked on a lot I didn't really understand I was always crying I was just really miserable as a kid so that's when my parents made the decision to kind of hold me back so that was really rough and I think that's like when the racism got a little stronger I mean going out with my parents and even today going out with them I would get dirty looks I'd get questions I had people coming up to me saying oh so what are you not like oh where are you from no it's just straight up like what are you and I'm like (laughs) at some points I would be like straightforward and then as I got older that kind of gave me my sarcasm so I'd be like I'm an alien (laughs) I'm just terrible but like it was my humor to kind of deflect that and to get stronger in those areas. And so, yeah, it was a rough time. So you said um, you lean more toward the Catholic side of your mm-hmm. parents' religion. Yeah. Um, so during those times when you were bullied and you went through those tough times during grade school and above, did you rely on anything to help you through that? Or was it kind of just, I'm facing this on my own. I have to get through this by myself. Or did you rely on... Um, your Catholicism or any other type of outwardly worldly um, thing for that yeah so when I was really young I kind of dealt with it alone because um, I just I was too young to like understand my resources and I feel like if I went to my parents they didn't really fully understand because I was so young they're like oh how can that be happening when you're only like five or six years old like they didn't really understand that So a lot of times I would just stay in my room and cry, which is, it's terrible, but that's how I dealt with it. It wasn't until around like third and fourth grade, that's when I kind of started paying more attention in church and I started finding my faith more and I got involved with my choir. I even picked up piano and that's that's when it really clicked for me. Mm -hmm. That was my biggest coping. Um, It was the same with poetry, which is why I have my creative writing minor during the whole period as well my grandfather was not doing very well Mm. he we had a feeling it'd be his last kind of year with us and I was really close to him I mean the day I came home we have a video of him (laughs) and we met in the airport it was like 11 or 12 at night and he came in he grabbed me and he left my parents were just tired so they didn't know where he was and he's just in the camera walking out with me he's like it's bedtime so we, we had a connection instantly. And so I knew he served in the military. I believe it was World War II. Wow. He did the mechanics. And so 
we connected a lot with music. He loved all the old songs. He loved White Christmas. <laughs> so I knew my fourth grade year, I had to pick up piano. I mm. had to learn one of his favorite songs to sing one last time before he passed away. So that's when I learned I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's one of my favorites still, and I always play it every year in memory of him. Mm. Um, but I remember him coming into the room and wheeling in. He was determined to, to leave his home. He's like, I am going to go see her. I'm going to go see my family. I'm going to act like everything's okay. So we all just crowded together, and I started playing, and he started singing with me, and I sang with him. So the next day, he... Well, a few like weeks later, he passed away in January, and it was really hard. And I think for me, I thought I was alone, because with my mom, she was so heartbroken. I feel like I needed to be strong, and I couldn't feel those kind of feelings, and I, I didn't even know how to cope with them. I mean, literally the day I found out, we were dissecting a heart. So I was just what like, are the odds that I don't know. It was just a punch after punch and so I was just like you know what I'm gonna be strong I I can't cry like I need to be there for my mom I need to put on that strong face so she knows she has someone so for me I, I felt really lonely I lost someone who was one of my biggest role models in life kind of someone I could always lean on and sing with and kind of get away from the world and share my writings with and he's gone but that's when kind of church came into play for me being Catholic I learned about the candles lighting a candle for the, your loved ones that passed away I think that just gave me a lot of remembrance of him and made me pray and that's when I started writing poetry about him about angels and how he's singing in the choirs and watching over us and that's when I got involved with my youth group and I started spreading my story and hearing other people's stories and even miracles happening in their lives that's awesome, and like I, I love the story of your grandpa and how much he impacted your life. Because I have the same story with my grandpa too. Mm -hmm. So I guess it seems to me that your grandpa really is your impactful person in your life to help you in all your situations. Mm -hmm. Is there a piece of him you always like carry on with you? I guess today in college and. Um. Yeah, I have a photo of him. Mm -hmm. Um. I also have a tattoo I designed in memory of him. So I got that my senior year of high school because it was my last recital. Sadly, COVID ruined that. <laughs> But I have a huge stage fright, even though I was a performance major growing up, I hated it. It gave me really bad anxiety for me. Music was something to help others or just to connect with others, not really like perform in that sense of mind, like where people are judging me or like I'm trying to get into a music school or something. I was just like, I'm just here for fun. I just want to share what I love with others. So kind of every time before a recital, my parents would be like, Keep in mind, just pretend you're at home playing with Sammy, my dog, next to me snoring or chewing on his little squeaky toy or even like with my grandfather, how we used to do it without any fear. So that's when I started thinking about a tattoo design because I can't, I felt awkward if I took a photo up with me on stage. I feel like people be like, what is she doing? <laughs> so I was like, let's do a tattoo. My parents weren't so happy about it because like your body is, to them, it's a sanctuary kind of something very like a temple. yeah like yeah. a temple so they're like you're gonna ink your body up and I was like yeah I was kind of against it too so at first I was like I don't know if I want this on me at all times 
I do find my body to be a temple, but it was so meaningful to me, and it just gave me so much power after doing it, and I felt he was always with me since then. And I felt like for the first time I was ready for a recital. I didn't have any like hiccups. I was practicing every awesome. day. I was ready. Um, I, I don't know, it just gave me such a boost of that confidence that I needed. Um, but then, yep, COVID kind of <laughs> put a squash on that. Uh, so yeah. So and after he he passed, how how was your spiritual life after that? Because before you said you were Catholic and you were pretty strong, <laughs> but you found your faith a lot more after he died. So, talk about how how was the impact of knowing your grandpa passed away? But then did did you go you know head first into Catholicism, or did you kind of like take a step back and then mourn and then get into it, or how did that process work for you? I don't really know completely just because it was so long ago but also there was so much happening at yeah. the time uh, my mom's side's very chaotic so we were trying to plan a funeral and some people weren't wanting to do it so it was getting passed around so but I think how I am now versus then I feel like I definitely took a step back just because growing up you hear like oh god's always there for you like things happen because god wants it to happen so you have to think like well why would he take this person away from me or why would he let all of these things happen in the world why did he allow me to be bullied so much or why did he let me go through all these hardship hardships oh my goodness sorry um but i think once kind of going through the morning stages of like grief anger but then kind of like going back to being peaceful and reflecting I have to remember that God does everything for a reason and I think the biggest reason my grandfather passed away and very peacefully too is he was in a lot of pain mm. the day he passed away he was on his respirator he's in the hospital bed at home he didn't want to go in the hospital so they allowed him to go back but he was in the bed that was hooked up to machines and so for me, like, knowing that he's at least in a place at rest, that God's made of heaven where you feel at home and you can still watch over people, I think that gave me such a big sense of comfort mm -hmm. that I, I started getting back into my faith. I started praying more. I started paying attention more to Mass. I was more excited to go. I would ask my dad constantly, are we going today? And my dad was like, I'm want to go and I was like yes I want to go I want to hear what my priest has to say today like I want to go be spiritual I, I want to connect with God so that's just kind of how it picked up has there been any ups and downs ever since then like going to college I know um, a lot of college students they come to college and they either um, completely reject their faith or they go head first and it's like um, there's certain aspects of their faith they don't agree with like um, there's certain topics that their faith they're like okay this is a little too much for me but I still want to be a part of this is there anything of that with you and your faith in Catholicism oh for sure there are there were definitely a lot of ups and downs coming into college I definitely never rejected my faith I still feel very close to being Catholic and the Catholicism but I think COVID was definitely one that put a damper on. I wanted to be able to continue my strong faith and continue going to mass, but due to the mask mandate and also just a lot of people getting sick on campus, I did not feel comfortable walking into the chapel. I know probably it was very well socially distanced, but I was just like, I don't want to take any chances. My classes are already hard. I don't want to put pressure and if I get sick, then I'm, I'm done for, and I think on top of that too, 
I don't I just kind of lost track of it like it's sad but I, I did it just wasn't on the top of my man man sorry my mind and I think added to that too I had I had recently come out as being part of the LGBTQ and, and that put a big damper mm. on my spirituality I mean I was already questioning in high school but I still was like no I could still be faithful but my family is very divided there are mm. some people who are religious like my mom she's Presbyterian she believes anyone and everyone is welcome to God's table no matter what but then I have like my dad's side they're more conservative where they're like no like you're a sinner like those people will burn in hell that's like that's that's what they use and so i think for me i was like am i allowed to be faithful being in the lgbtq because like growing up in the catholic schools it was not allowed to be talked it was a huge taboo it like i know a friend of mine who was coming out around that time and we were doing like family education and they were like well what if I like a girl, like what am I supposed to do? Like what safety measures can I use? And they were like, well, you can't like a girl. That's not okay. And if you do, you need to go see someone and get help. Like let God bless you. And I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> like, oh no, I can't be, I can't be in the LGBTQ community because it's a sin, but also like I can't, if I am in the community, I can't go to church, I won't be accepted. So during that time, it was so hard for me to find that balance but at the end of the day, I kind of went back to my Bible studies. I went to BCF. That was fun. But then I also felt out of place because I was still going through that turmoil. But I think BCF helped a lot because we would read the Bible and dissect it. So I think that's when I took my time alone. I took the Bible I asked for on my 16th birthday. And I just sat in my room and I read it. And I journaled. I think that's when I came back to my faith and I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter who I am or how I identify or what my sexuality is or my gender or anything. I believe that everyone and and I believe Jesus and God taught that anyone and everyone is welcome to the table. And along that like everyone has their own cross to bear. And I think that's why I'm here and that's my story of why I went through all of that. God's putting me in a place where I'm being tested and that's my job as a disciple to go over those barriers and to connect other people and to make try to make people understand that as a Christian for me it's my job to make sure everyone feels accepted and loved no matter what um, it's like the saying oh goodness it was like let he who hasn't sinned cast the first stone and I think that's one of my favorite quotes because there's no one on this planet except probably like Jesus and God, who has not sinned. Everyone has their own sins and everyone has their own crosses to bear and their own problems that they're going through and their own mistakes in life. And I don't think it's right for us to be going around and judging each other and casting us out when we have our own things we've done wrong. So yeah, that's just how I am. And you touched on this earlier about your family. Um, I know sometimes when a person comes out, there's a lot of animosity mm-hmm. towards the mom and the dad, so or the or whoever the parents are. Um, how was that like for you? When you, I know you, you touched on it a little bit, but like how how was the impact of your family when it came out to them, and what was the reactions, and then how did how did you react? And because I know it's a, it's a huge moment, yeah. and especially with the parents who are so strong in their faith, it could be probably a little tough, I would assume. So yeah, um, 
I feel very blessed. I want to make that known that while other people have had the experience, and I know some people have had the experience of getting kicked out, I did not, which I'm very grateful for. However, I will say the response was not what I was expecting. My mom, I remember I literally just blabbed in the middle of the car as we were eating <laughs> lunch. I always said, I'm bi. I like girls. And my mom's like, what? She was, she was very confused. She was like, oh, so this is a phase you're going through. And I was like, no. I like boys and girls <laughs> it's not a phase and so she was just she was just kind of contemplating she was very confused she she lives in a different generation so to her like it's either gay or straight and she didn't care either way but she just didn't understand me liking both so she's like oh maybe you just have had bad experiences in the past with guys so you don't like them and I'm just like no I've like my experience like some guys yeah I haven't had the best experiences with but a lot of them like I've had great experiences. I just, I have had feelings for past friends that are female and that's how I knew. I knew it wasn't, it wasn't a confusion. It was just who I am. Now with my dad, he laughed. <laughs> he thought it was a joke at first because I was coming in and I was like on the verge of tears and I was like, hey dad, I like girls. And he's like, he started laughing. He was like, okay. And I was like, no, dad, that's when I started breaking down and I was sobbing my eyes on that's when he sobered up and he was like, oh no. And that's when he responded and he, he patted my back and he said, you know what? You're just confused and it's okay. And I was like, dad, I am not confused. <laughs> so, I mean, they've gotten a lot better now as we've progressed like over the year. Um, I mean, I think my brother, he was super supportive of me. He opened with arms and he said, you know what? I think that's cool and I think you should love who you love. And with my sister, I think we had the biggest heart to heart moment. Um, growing up, we weren't always the closest. We had a lot of fights. Or there was, There's a big age gap too. She's about 10 years older than me and she's very centered on studying. So like a lot of experiences, a lot of sisters get like, oh, we can do hair, we can do makeup, we can talk about guys, we can share shoes. I never really got that. So coming out to her, I was really scared because I, I mean, my parents didn't react the best. I was grateful for at least not getting kicked out or like really bad slurs, but they still weren't fully like, they weren't adjusted yet. And then I appreciated my brother. I've always been close to him, so I wasn't too scared because I, I knew he would be open to it. But with my sister, I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, this is the odd one. But no, she she started crying on the phone. Um, and she was crying because she, she knew my situation with my parents. And uh, funny part is she said, I'm not surprised. <laughs> So I was like, okay, well that made me feel a little better because I'm like, at least it didn't weird her out. But I think she just felt bad because she couldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And she also knew like mainly my dad would be a little more like, ooh, like keep your options open. Don't worry, like you can still end up with a guy. You can still have a family, it'll, it'll be okay. And if you end up being like straight, we don't even have to tell anyone. We can just keep it on the down low. Everything will be normal. So that's when my sister, I didn't know this until my mom told me, but she sent articles to both my parents about like being accepting and how not to out your daughter because my mom 
has a support group, which mm-hmm. is good. She has good friends who she likes to talk to. She's in turmoil. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't have asked my permission to tell them. And I, I'm not someone that was ready to do that just yet. Mm-hmm. So that's when my sister knew my mother would do that. So she immediately sent articles to educate them on the LGBTQ community. She sent them articles to educate them about me being a bisexual. She sent them articles on how to react to your child coming out to you, what to do, what not to do. And that just made me so grateful and I felt so loved in the moment. I started crying hearing that because I realized how blessed I truly was. And I think to me that was God doing his work. Like, I, watching so many of my friends being excommunicated and knowing that could happen to me if I came out to certain family members, it's scary. And I don't know where I would be if I hadn't had my sister or my siblings there with me. And I think that's a blessing from God himself, giving me that support. And even though, like, my friends have gone through really horrid things... I believe God was there in their lives, whether they believe in him or not. For me, who believes, I see him working in so many ways because they have so many friends that take them in. Or they have families from their friends who are like, oh my gosh, we love you. Come live with us. Or they just, they still get that support that they need, even though it's sad. It's not your direct family. You still have people that love you and care for you and want you here and will accept you for you. So that's just my way of knowing God is here and doing his miracles and his work and living out the love. Um, it's hard to always see the love and everything and the good, but sometimes it's just nice to journal just those nice things happening every once in a while because that's when you know, that's how I know at least, God is there and God is good. That's really good. Um <laughs> So how do you feel that fitting into your to your life um, in general, like your identity? How do you move forward in in progressing with like your job and your your career, your your goals in life? How does your um, identity reflect that in your career? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think. Or does it does or does your identity that you, that you describe um, carry on your career, or do you want to keep it more separate and more more away, or do you want to keep it you know as a part of you moving forward to your career as well? I I think that for my identity physically being Asian American, Mm -hmm. that definitely falls into my career. Yes. Just because I'm showing that, like, I'm an Asian American. No, I'm not good at math. No, I'm not good at science. But I can still make it, and I'm still just as good as any other, and I quote, pure Asian out there. I've gotten that stigma, and I think me doing something that I love and also helping others because that's my faith that rolls into my identity now and my career something I do want to keep separate is probably my sexuality just because like I'm very proud of who I am but I don't I don't think that's something important that people need to judge me based on I would like them to judge me more on my personality and what I can bring to the table rather than just like oh she likes girls Mm -mm. we can't have her here or oh she likes girls and she must be a sinner or oh she likes it's like why do you have to think about that first when there's so much more to me than just my sexuality so on that end i don't really tell people um i just like if it comes up i have no qualms telling people but other than that like i just kind of keep that separate i might have a sticker or two out 
But it's just like a casual, like, hey, I could be an ally. I could be in the community. Who knows? It's just not important to me. I, I think there's so much more there than a sticker, just who I like or who I'm in a relationship with. And so, uh, just one last question I want to hit on. Um, what would you tell Leanne, you know, years in the past when she was struggling with her identity and also as well as she was getting bullied with her with her um, her ethnicity and, and how she presented herself, what would you tell her now looking back to where you are right now in college, looking back to Leanne in the past, what would you tell her right now? I would tell her it would be okay. Um, I would tell her accept and love every piece of you. Mm. And I would tell her that it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be hurt. And you're not a snowflake. <laughs> you're not too oversensitive. You're not a broken eggshell that can't be fixed. You can't be glued back together. Uh, growing up, I was always told like, oh, you're too sensitive, like, become a tough shell again, like, your feelings don't matter, and I, to me, that that's not true. I, I know, like, in society, the stigma of like, oh, if you cry, you're a baby, oh, if you have depression or anxiety, like, oh, you're crazy, you're weird, you can't go see a therapist, and I think now that I'm older, it's like, it doesn't matter. You need to focus on you and do what's best for you. And I think through that, know that it'll be okay and that you have the support you need and that it's okay to feel those things and that you'll get through it. I think when I was little, I felt like I didn't have a place where I could get through it. And I felt like, oh, wow, like, what am I gonna be when I grow up? Will I ever be accepted? And something I learned through my journey is yes. I think everyone will find at some point in acceptance and that love and that support, whether it's one person, two, four, a hundred thousand, you'll always have people there that love you unconditionally and that's something important to always carry with you. And when you find those people, respect them, cherish them, spend as many days or as much time as you can with them, clearly don't suffocate them, <laughs> but like, just be grateful and blessed and feel their company and live in the moment, you know? So, I think yeah. it's a great note to end on. Yeah. Um, thank you for sitting down and for, for sharing your story. I think um, a lot of things in the story can be really impactful to people. I think um, it's stuff that we don't really talk about in today's world a whole lot, especially with ethnicity and, and your identity and, and how how the, throughout the struggle we can come to a result at the end that could be much better than we were and just looking back and saying I'm a different person but I'm, I'm glad that I struggled but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for where I am right now I think yeah. that's that really came out in your story so I appreciate it what an amazing story did you catch any examples of agape love in action what resonated with you in the stories shared today? What would our world look like if in every interaction we had, we allowed agape love to lead us? How will you show someone agape love today? Here at Bellarmine, we are a community of many faiths and no faiths, and campus ministry provides support and accompaniment to all as they embark on their individual spiritual journeys. If you would like to share your own story and possibly be featured in a future episode, please visit the Agape Project online at bit.ly slash the Agape Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Agape Project. Tune in again next week for more stories. Have a great week.